Hi, and welcome to the Art of the Profitable Lifestyle Gym podcast. I'm Chris Thorndike, a 14-year practicing brick-and-mortar gym owner. In this podcast, we'll talk you through how to grow your gym membership base with long-term members, how to create a consistent flow of leads, and how to enjoy running a gym that gives you the income you need to live the lifestyle you want. I'll show you how to pay yourself $5,000 a month take home and make $5,000 a month in gym profit. Hey everyone, so I just wanted to take a moment to intro this episode. Um, It actually came from an organic conversation that Chris and I were having and we just decided to, you know, start recording it. Um, But we talk about what we're labeling the volume game. So in the brick and mortar space, um, there is this big emphasis on volume. More, 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 more leads, more signups, more sales, more revenue, more. I just want more. And so it was a great conversation to step back from that and really evaluate is that what you want, right? Because a lot of gym owners uh, don't want to have just more for the sake of more. They want to have more of the right things, more income, more time freedom, more lifestyle, more impact. So when we think about focusing on the right things, we really start comparing like what strategy is best for me. So I'm excited for this episode because we dive into, hey, how do you actually want to run your gym and are you focusing on the right thing? So it's going to be a really great one. And yeah, let's get started. So what I'm seeing is there are, it almost feels like there's two sides of the equation there in, in terms of growing your gym. There's the Hey, volume. I just need more members. Um, I just need to enroll more people. If I have more programs like nutrition and PT and um, fitness only, then there's like more opportunity for people to enroll, which gives me more in- income revenue. So there's that side of of building a bit a gym and you know uh, growing your business, and then that's one way to do it. And the thing is, I don't think that that's necessarily like wrong. It really comes down to what do you want as a gym owner, right? Like if you want to build a seven figure gym with all the bells and whistles and all of the programs and the team and the overhead and the space, that's not inherently wrong. It only becomes wrong when you don't like your life. Like you don't like your lifestyle. You don't like what that has created for you. And you've kind of created this like machine that has taken away time from your kids, has taken away uh, personal time for your hobbies, you know, like time and space to be a human. Um, And all you're doing is working and producing and outputting. Um, Now you can, um, you know, like you can, you can still build a, a gym that way, but what we offer and what we, kind of want to shift and, 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 you know, show gym owners like, Hey, there's another way to do this is building a gym with more intention, um, from the beginning where you're not initially focusing on more, 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 but rather doing less, but really, really well so that you don't necessarily have to grow because of volume, but you can grow because of like pricing. Um, and in, in turn, because you're running a smaller operation, you not only get more money or you're generating more income and revenue because you've increased your prices, but you also have more time 
which time is really the, the most valuable resource. So it's two ways to run it. There's not necessarily right way or wrong way. It just is like, how do you, how do you want to do it? Yeah, this is definitely a, a style. There's a style component to how you're choosing to run your business. But I will also say that if we're, if we're trying to compare apples to apples, which is, this is really hard to do. We're trying to get like pretty close to a comparison, but you're right. They are uniquely different based on in many ways, what the owner wants, what the vision is, right? That it's like art, like you're creating your own thing, but here's some similarities that I've, I've realized over the years. And, you know, I was talking offline with um, in another owner uh, who has just a different style than my you know, my vision for group fitness businesses. And what I've uncovered was as my life cycle as a business owner uh, changed, meaning when I was young, I started at 22, I had all the time in the world, you know, and I had a lot of ambition. So I was like, I want to do this, this, this. And my reach was, I was just grabbing for a bunch of stuff. And then as I got married, and wanted to spend more time with my wife, Stephanie, and we wanted to travel and do things as a couple. I was like, dang it, I don't want to be there on the weekends every weekend um, or work 12 hour days. So it, it almost like started this quest to understand more intentionally, how do I want to live my personal life? And how does my business need to be set up to, in a way to, to add this other, you know, being or other aspect of your life to make that work. And then the last thing was, you know, having Parker, adding kids to that mix is like, now there's another component, another schedule that you operated on. And I'll be honest, like if you guys haven't had kids yet, your kids own you at first, like they pretty much control all the schedules. Yeah. It's like, she's the boss and, you know, (laughs) has all these needs that have to be taken care of. And then you end up reshifting your entire business in life again. So I think what I've realized is there's two things that I would break down or add to what you're talking about. So there's the cost of running the business, right? So the budget, that's, that is like a fixed number. Um, and and the, you can compare the two different approaches on that level. Um, how much revenue do you need to create to cover all of the expenses? And then the other part of that I think is the work. And this is the piece that I started looking at of like, we'll call it optimization, right? Of like, can I get that budget covered all the the items with as little time, energy, and effort as possible? Because maybe I'm just, you know, that efficiency person, like you've, you know, called me out on, I like things that are streamlined and, you know, simple and um, systemized. Yeah, systemized, right? Like, and and so that's been my approach for constantly looking at that. Um, But it's absolutely a choice of how much time and energy and effort I want to put towards the business versus these other aspects of my life, right? Family, hobby, travel, uh, friends, all of those things are consideration. And I'm sure I could do them completely different and build them into my business too. Um, But yeah, I think that's the style component that you're talking about where yes, there's the cost of running business you can compare and how much work it takes to run that thing mm-hmm. and how much value versus work that, that you can really weigh. But I've noticed as I've grown through the years, yeah, my uh, less is more mindset has really grown. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's because different seasons of your life um, have just required either more time from you or more energy. And so those are two resources that I think people don't really consider, but they're also part of the equation when you're building a business. Like, yes, you need revenue, but you also need time to, you know, spend time with your family or have the energy to be present at those moments, right? Because like, there are also like different businesses that run at different, like different ways. And one of the strategies is to always be present because you need to always be on. And, and again, there's no right or wrong way to do it. But if you're like, Hey, I, I actually value having energy and time solely for these personal things in my life then you have to create a business that gives you that and isn't constantly on your mind, constantly taking your time. Um, so just, again, yeah, it just depends on like how you want to build it and, and all that goes into it. So why yeah, do you like, think, oh, go ahead. why do you think people gravitate towards um, just like focusing more on like, let me just, I just need more members. Like I just need, if I could just bring more people in, I would be fine. I think that's the biggest thing that we hear, right? Like from gym owners, like that is the saving grace is like, I ju just tell me how to get more people in. Tell me what to say. Tell me what to write. Tell me how to do it. If you can help me fix that, everything else will be fine. I just know it. I just, I'm so certain. Why do you feel like that is something that so, so many people believe and just like full force go towards? All right. So hear me out on this. I actually think it's, the efficient uh, answer in the moment, we'll call it. Meaning I don't have to ch change anything. I can just keep doing what I'm doing, just do more of it, okay? So I, I think there's a certain level of work being considered where I don't have to dig uh, deeper. I don't have to put more time into the unknown and do research because who honestly loves you know, taking a step back and having to do research and having to learn something new and then it's scary and you know you have to make changes and those changes are going to have a certain level of friction before you can get to even this end vision of it you know running more profitably with less people so i think that's a component and a real you know owner decision of do i have the bandwidth right now to go learn something new or am I comfortable doing what I'm doing? So I think there's a piece of that. And then also there's uh, an innate kind of feeling emotionally of, if I optimize my business in this way, meaning less people, I need to increase my rates. Because if I wanna work with less, but I still have that budget that is equal to, you know, any, any other business running, a, say a volume approach, it just has to increase in terms of price. And that in itself means I now have the potential for confrontation or conflict with my existing members who could tell me no, who could uh, you know, have a great relationship, but they don't see that value and they could leave me. And that's scary to put on the table that yes, in theory, if I go up 50, 80 bucks a month per member, I may lose all of my current members. And yeah. that's really scary. Um, so I, I think there's two levels of it, you know, and, and I get it. Like I get that 
mindset. Cause like I was telling you before, early in my career, uh, we're in 2000 square feet now. And it's where honestly, I felt happiest when I first started my business. And then, you know, 10 years later, coming back to that, I'm like, I was telling my wife, you know, not too long ago, like I've never been so happy in a facility size as this. And it's funny how it, if you, if you looked at a timeline during the middle, I had grown to, you know, 3000, 4000, 5000. At one point we had like five different programs running and I was chasing this ambitious of ambition of, I wanted to help a lot of people employees inspired me to start programs members inspired me with saying if you had this i would totally do it and i think over the years i've just learned to look at the math of is the work that i'm putting in netting happiness uh and and i think there's a some kind of feeling when you know if this is something i'm really passionate about and happy to to provide but then also financially you know, is it requiring a lot of work to create the profit or is it not profiting in another poor, you know, section of the revenue or business stream um, is covering the cost of it. And that's a real thing too. I think there's a lot of businesses out there that have multiple programs that are generating revenue, but they're not actually profitable. And other income streams are actually covering the cost of operation. And that's what happened to me in several programs kids being one of them. We had one point, a kid's program generating over $3,000 a month. But when I did the math of payroll and, you know, acquiring new clients and keeping, you know, attrition rate and growing the program, it was minimal for the amount of effort we were putting into it. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the, the almost like light bulb moment clicking point where it's as you said, you're saying, hey, I started small, I started in 2000 square feet, um, one program, very simple offer. And then I branched into more space, more classes, different types of classes for athletes and beginners and like fitness. And then there's also kids, I added kids and there's a nutrition component. Um, what was the moment where you were like, hold on, <laughs> pause, what am I doing? Like, were you unhappy with the amount of expenses? Were you unhappy with the amount of time you were spending at the gym? Were you unhappy? Like, what was the shift that made you realize, like, I actually thought I wanted more, but really I want more time and more income for my family. Like, what was that like? Looking back, I don't think it was this, like, you hit a wall moment where it just is so clear to you. I think it's like, fractionally, you know, kind of how you end up with stress that builds up and then it like blows up. It kind of mm -hmm. happens like that, where you just kind of go through business and you're working really hard and you notice one thing that just kind of irks you a little bit, but you keep doing the thing that you're doing because it's sufficient. Like I was saying to not have to stop and slow down or rethink it in that moment, you just keep building. And I think that's eventually what happened in many of these situations where I'll just use the kids program as an example. Deep down, I I'm not passionate about kids program. I like it. And I had a team member that was very passionate and it was a good opportunity for him and for me to express this ambition as a business owner. I think we all are builders. 
so we, we move forward. We, we set an ad budget, uh, sales system up, um, you know, onboarding, the service schedule, all the stuff that you're literally, that's why I'm saying you're building a business within your business. There's a lot of work. So after doing all that, um, you start to realize that there's a lot of moving factors. And it's not just, can I get more leads? Can I get more clients in there? It's also employee driven. So in this particular case, this employee was also reaching a level of burnout and trying to find his next path in a career. And I think at that moment for me right there, managing both the business side of growing the program, and then on top of that, having instability with the person running the program, I would have to take all that over or start the rehiring process again to find someone. And that was really draining for me. I think, you know, for a lot of owners, you know, just getting into employees, I won't now work with anyone for less than two years. I can't like I, physically, I don't have the energy and two, like from experience, it takes about six to 12 months to train someone to a level that I, I think there's a, an ROI associated with it at a high level. Um, so that means if they only stay six to eight months, you've really just got them trained up. And if they leave starting that whole process over again, as a manager, it's really stressful. And, and, um, all of the things that go into just growing the, and running the program are still on your plate. So I think I really evaluated that part of it is saying, there's a lot that goes into just making this seemingly simple, great idea, make money and, and fulfill our members. But at the end of the day, it was draining me and, and crushing me. And it, and it almost like it had residual to my marriage. It had residual to my friends. I didn't, you know, I wasn't a social, uh, I didn't take as many trips, and I started realizing that was a big catalyst for me is started looking at, yeah, I could not slow down and keep doing what I was doing. But in reality, the best solution was really to take a step back, a big step back and say, what do I need to be happy long-term? And I think the pandemic really opened my eyes on a lot of this, you know, and so that maybe that was the wall that I hit where it was this opportunity to say, Hey, like I've done it this way, that way, and this way, if I had to really do it all over again, how would I do it with me with another decade of doing this career? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the approach I took was saying, I want to be in this industry long-term. I love it everything about it, but there are certain aspects that I don't think I could continue to do this another decade if I didn't change this and this. So that yeah. was a blank canvas for, for Steph and I, and that's what we did. Re that's, rebuilt it from the ground up. That's a great way to look at it. Cause it's like, not necessarily like, what do I need, you know, to happen in the next three months or in the next year? Um, those are important questions and you want to consider those, but long-term you do have to ask yourself, what kind of business do I want to run for the next decade? If this is something that like you see yourself doing long-term as a professional career that gives you the income you need, the lifestyle that you want. Um, so that's just really good to, to like, not just focus on like the next month or the next three months or the next year even, but like, are you building the business that's going to let you do this for another decade? Um, but that's interesting that you had, like it wasn't like a, like a moment. <laughs> like I walked in the gym and I just like knew something needed to change but it was like incremental things. So, so, all right, you got to this point, you decided like, okay, I need to take a step back and really 
you know, do this different? What did that involve? Are you like, you know, downsizing teams? Are you cutting programs? Are you increasing prices? Like, what did you do? And then like, what were your feelings about all that? Like, cause I think that's the really hard part that people sometimes freak out about is like, ah, there's so much change. Like, how do I even do that? So, yeah. yeah. So this, this may seem very elementary, but at certain times in my life, I realized that I were high stress, like on the personal side or business side, it usually was related to how much I had stacked on my schedule. And so after, you know, really understanding that piece, we went to the schedule, <laughs> like literally pulled out a weekly calendar and said, what do I want my life to look like from a work week standpoint as an owner? And then we began creating these time blocks of, I know I need to drive the business using these activities. It takes this amount of time. And I want to do this at this time in my week work week. So that was actually the first step of just saying, how many classes do I want to coach and when? And then that means that by the end of this exercise, we had been able to take a step back and say, this is our work week. This would make me really happy and excited to go into the office and feel like I have balance and, you know, travel time. And now, you know, I, I can travel from Wednesday evening through Monday, get back on a Monday every single week in brick and mortar. That's unheard of. And my sales continue, my onboarding continues, my service continues, but it took looking at where do I fit into driving the business and what part of say the task side do I want to fulfill because I enjoy it. And then everything else beyond that, we needed to fill in employees. And then we got to work saying, all right, this is how many classes and the schedule that works for the service side. You know, these are the clients that will uh, align with our goal of running the business. We run two shifts, AM shift, two classes in the morning, three in the evening. That's it. You know, uh, this is a big topic of conversation, open gym and having, you know, space, you know, midday. I did the math again. It, it, it was not worth it. it. It made some money, but not enough money for me to justify the management time, finding and replacing employees that can work those weird hours. Uh, so it just, it didn't add up once you really put a, a pencil to both the administrative side and the management side and the employee training. It just, for me, you have to factor those in too to the equation, not just how many members come to these class revenue minus the cost of the classes. It's, it's way more than that. Uh, not to mention finding the people that can uniquely fit into that class time with work schedules. So that's a big piece of it, I think, of getting to a place of putting the oxygen mask on yourself and saying, I need to take care of myself both from a personal level, a family level, and a business level, what's best for me so that then I have the energy, I feel rejuvenated, I can really push harder than anyone else. I feel competitively because I wake up with a work week that's refreshed and I wake up with a business that runs on my terms. And now, you know, we've seen it tenfold in energy and approach and the numbers are, you know, telling as well. Yeah, okay. So the first thing you you approached was, all right, I'm going to change this to fit my lifestyle. So my purse, like, when do I want to work? 
And then you kind of touched into like, I optimized or created the systems that would allow me to have the space and freedom to potentially like, you know, go on vacation from Wednesday to Sunday. <clears throat> so the, yeah, the first part was the schedule. Just think of it as like an exercise in designing your perfect week. Right. And then from a system standpoint of how we needed to set up the business, we still had to understand um, this less is more mindset of saying, well, how do we get advertising and promoting the company uh, done? How do we uh, communicate with and qualify who's a good fit, who's not? And how do we make sales? Because that's new money in the door. That's attrition. You know, that's growth. And then how do we get our clients into group class right from the point of sale? And you have to ask yourself that, like, what is, what are those things for me? Cause that's every gym owner. And can I do those efficiently that fit within my ideal schedule? And that's really, I think the breakthrough started happening and saying, I don't want to do it the old way. I don't want to do it based on needing, you know, five sessions with a client just to get them into a group class. I can't do that. I don't have the time. Uh, I don't have the energy. Um, there's got to be a better way, but I don't want to give up the quality. I don't want to give up the data that I need. I don't want to compromise uh, the experience for the client. So it, it really took rethinking, redesigning the experience for prospects and brand new clients, as well as the current client characteristics, we'll call it, or ideal client, right? It's like I had to get everybody on the bus that I was driving. And that's, a, I think, a good analogy from the operations side of like, we're running the business this way because it fulfills us. And if you're not okay with that, as I talk to you as a lead, as a brand new member getting ready to enroll, chances are it's not going to be a great long-term ex experience for either one of us. So we're really saying, hey, I recommend you go here based on what you're telling me. But if you completely align, I know I'm getting a long-term client. I know I'm you know, on the verge of two, three, 10-year clients because it makes sense from the beginning. We, it's like showing up to a date and just being open and honest of where you're at expectation-wise versus assuming and just bringing that to the front of the client relationship and everything, guys, just gets easier. So that's, that's the approach, I think, on the business side is you're driving the bus and you're really talking about only letting the people on that truly are a good fit. Gotcha. Okay. So your first thing was let me rearrange my business to fit my life. And because now I have like stricter boundaries and guidelines, um, I'm going to now create the business systems and find the, the people that are going to align with that. So it's like two-sided, like you're accounting for both people involved, right? The owners, the team, and the members, the prospects. Um, so once you had that, what about, um, like, what else did you have to do in order to like, you know, cause you're losing space and you're losing classes. So you are losing programs, right? Like you cut your kids program, you like simplified your, all your programs that you offer now and you only offer one. So what, talk to us about like the, the pricing part, like there was an increase in your pricing. What was that like? 
What were your, your thoughts about that? How did you navigate through that? Cause you did it mid pandemic. So it's like, everyone's closing, you're offering zoom classes and you're like, cool, we're increasing our rates. How did you do that? Yeah. I, th I think in the moment, emotionally, it was just like that, that period of time where I was burned out. I was ready to shut it down and I didn't care if it was making money. The lifestyle sucked for me, you know, and, and I, really wanted to live a certain way, you know, ever since I read, you know, four hour work week, I've always been of the mindset that I can get to a place every single week is by design. So I think from a money standpoint, we, we, we separated it in two categories, new members coming in the door, they don't know any different. So they're a lot easier to uh, mentally, I think, uh, see the value move forward, and it's kind of refreshing for a, a lot of owners to say, yeah, no problem. New people, I'll raise my rates $200. And, you know, there's that feeling. But then you circle right back around to your current members. And they're like, whoa, nope, $10, you know, $15 is a stretch for me. But if the math doesn't make sense based on what we were talking about doing, you know, changing the schedule. I think at one point we had like nearly double the classes, you know, we're 50 something classes. You know, now it's 27 a week. So that schedule was uh, needed to be for a certain, you know, uh, people in, in the group program and, and existing members, we knew we we're going to lose some people. Um, and we were okay with that because the end goal was this lifestyle, reverse engineer the math, the income, you know, is better. It's easier to run. We could cut out a lot of costs uh, with running a bigger operation. So that's like the logical approach, right? Like logically, I think our brains logically know that it's it's going to be okay, right? Like we're going to lose some people, but overall we're going to be good. But emotionally, this is also a decision that you have to walk through. So like, what were some of the emotional things you considered of like, did you think like people are going to leave me? They're going to be mad. They're going to think I'm like money hungry. They're going to like, what were the thoughts that came to your head um, and how did you like process and navigate those, um, before getting to like, okay, but logically this makes sense. Cause I think on a logical level, everybody knows that it's a good move. The thing that really stops them is like the emotional tie that they have to their members and the loyalty and you know, all of that. So yeah. Did you have to walk through that as well? A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I'm not a robot, uh, I have thoughts <laughs> too. And, and here's where I think the brain goes. And this is how it worked for me. First impression, I was scared, nervous. I love my members. I have, you know, a lot of friendships. We're friendly. Um, I care about them. Many of them have seen, you know, amazing results. They've brought me uh, referrals and friends and family. So that side is really stacked of like, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose those relationships. They're important to me. And then the logic side, like you're saying, is when you do the math, you're like, man, I'd be in a much better place if I could move this thing around and you know get this schedule there. And you're like, man, that'd be really good for me. And so now you're like kind of torn between like what's working for them and their expectations on your service and how they're going to feel if they're going to be offended, uh, if they're not going to like me, if they're going to express that and talk you know, bad about me, are they going to leave? and take their business elsewhere, which then could harm my business because we still need revenue to run it, right? And, and so all, 
all of those thoughts were, were out there. And I think what the catalyst for moving forward was just accepting both of saying that if I could make this work for me, I could actually enhance the relationship, enhance the result because mm -hmm. I would be able to give more because um, I can't give anymore in this current state. So part of this therapy of working through this, we actually wrote the email that was going to be the first step in communicating why we believe that this is the best decision of the program uh, for them and for us to go in this direction. And I would say, you know, to all of you guys out there writing this email of explaining your value and why you think it's important uh, to, to go in this direction and how it's going to benefit the members was the best thing that I could do. And, and, you know, this is why people say journaling is such a therapeutic, you know, process. And for me, that was, I started <laughs> believing my own uh, message and vision more because of this practice. And then by the end of it, you know, you end up with this clear, you know, simplified one page. This is where we're going. These are the things that we're going to do to improve your results and make this a better place. And these are the things that are going to change for you. And by the way, the price is now this moving forward on this date. And I will tell you this, you will sleep on that email. You will not push send and it, you will sweat. You will lose hours. And there is a fear factor of pushing that button. Every single person I've done this with, I don't care how long they've been in business, myself included. It, it was that feeling, that moment. So just imagine you write this email and you're sitting on it. You're like, do I really want to do this? This is happening, right? This is the <laughs> moment. They're going to hate me, blah, blah, blah. Like all these feelings, they're, they're going to leave. I'm going to go bankrupt. And then you gather the courage to send the email should I send it on a Saturday, a Friday? <laughs> no, I... When are they going to be most? No, I need to. I need to block off my day. The message is going to pour in with cancellation, so I got to be available to like deal with those people coming at me and and trying to you know change their mind, right? Like all of that. So when you finally gather the courage to push the send button, here's what happens on the other side, guys. You're going to get an email, maybe two, three. Um, with concerns and you're going to talk about it with those people and chances are they're going to come with you. And some people financially, they were already on the fence emotionally about the program, their buy-in, and then it's going to trim the fat a little bit. But from a standpoint of confidence it gave me, I'll talk to you about that, is I got plenty of emails saying, proud of you. I'm not going anywhere. You're totally worth it. Um, don't send me this. I'm all in. <laughs> like, it's just like <laughs> things like that. And then you hear the comments, you're, you know, like you've changed my life. I'm not going anywhere. And it, it just like dawns on you. Like you're talking about 10, 15 bucks a week for people that it's not a substantial increase for them. And, and that's what I learned in hindsight is 
you know, uh, price increases, I think, are a lot more emotionally challenging for the owners um, than the impact it actually has on our membership. So I'm talking about a fraction of people will have a uh, negative opinion on it. And even inside that group, they're really just looking for clarity because they probably didn't read the whole email or they just saw that something's changing and they needed to come to you and that's how they deal with change. But even at that point, you just talk to them and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. So uh, in most cases, I've seen a substantial jump in uh, you know as much as $3,000 a month in auto pay um, from existing memberships. And that's how I think you raise the bar and the quality standard of you as a coach, you, you now have that fire again under you be like, I'm now charging my worth. I got to freaking bring it. I got to innovate. I got to, you know, work smart with living up to the promises and the goals that I've reset for my membership. And the ones that got back on the bus with me, they're all in. Because the way I approached it mentally was I had to metaphorically fire all my clients. If you think of it this way. And then by me sending out this email, we were rehiring them in that moment at a new membership rate, a new promise, a new offer, and how we were going to deliver that service, you know, from all the structure changes of classes and off the floor, you know, coaching and communication, all of that stuff mattered. But when they read that email, they had to interpret that as more valuable, as worth it. And that's what happened. We, we, in that moment, metaphorically fired them all with being okay with that and having the courage, but saying, I believe this is the right thing as a coach in order to have the resources to maybe uh, hire, to invest in uh, coaching or training of your team. Um, all of those things were a part of this plan too. So we're not talking about just increasing rates for the sake of increasing. We're talking about leveling up the entire business and their experience. And that's what, you know, raising rates is. And I think a lot of people could be fearful of saying, well, I'm just going to increase rates. It's not how it works. You have to give more to get more, even if that means simplifying it, or even if that means becoming more efficient and doing the job better with less. Yeah. Yeah. I think something that you said that is probably good to just <clears throat> touch on is, um, like increasing your rates um, does bring a level of like putting yourself in a better position. Um, but I think the the thought error that, um, you know, some gym owners have is if I get more, that means that my members get less. So if I get more money, that means they have less money, um, which is not the way to look at it, right? It's not like you're taking anything from them. You are offering them more value which that's just how the world works, right? Like if you give more value, you'll get more like money. Um, and that money can be used to then impact your life, which will allow you to serve them at a much higher level with much higher like intention um, and purpose because you're not stressed out all the time, right? You have the space and the freedom in your life to bring sort of like your best self to serve them. And so I think a lot of times like, the, the narrative is like, oh, that's, that's selfish of me to, to increase prices, to put me in a better position, but put them in a better, a worse position. 
where it's like, one, that's not true. Like you're not, that's not how it works. Um, and two, if you are in a better position, that's a good thing because then in return, they reap the benefits of a, a, an owner really like providing great service, uh, like actually providing the service that they're paying for at a higher level. So I think that, that that's good to just like, um, you know, stop and like really point out because I think a lot of times there is a lot of like thinking about money in a, in a not- and not, not the best way uh, when it comes to increasing prices. It's You're not taking anything from someone. You are exchanging value. And with that, you can show up in an, an even more like impactful way. Yeah. I, I, money's an interesting tool. You know, there's a lot of emotion tied to it. And it, it can be the owner just not feeling like they're stable or, you know, they're in survival mode. So any shift in price is going to, potentially, you know, send you into, you know, financial ruin. And that emotionally for the owner is, I think, a, a big part of people who are not making um, professional incomes. That's a hard thing to work through. But what we're talking about is putting it on the line for the better. And I think that's part of entrepreneurship and business ownership is to making uh, a call that is risky. It's managed risk. But when we're talking about money, there's the personal component of what you need to provide for your family. And then also how to go out and get that from your business. And part of that is serving the client. And what I've realized is every time that you increase your rates, you level up as a coach in a business because there's a new standard of providing for higher paying clients. And the goal is always to provide, I think, the best experience but do it at a level that you can consistently do it across every client. You know, it's not enough to just do it a few. You have to look at the entire organization. Mm -hmm. And that to me has always been um, on my mind of if I can do this for everyone, they're going to view my value at that level. So when they talk about it with their friends, when they talk about it amongst themselves, it's reinforced. And they, they start to see that it's, it's actually, or they get confirmation from each other as well as the people coming in. So you actually have to back it up, but when you do it, I think it's like making an investment in yourself. If you can deliver this service, there should be no fear around increasing the price because you're going to get them a better result. You're going to get them a faster result and a better experience. And I'll just give you a couple examples. When we did this, it allowed us to focus more intentionally on off the floor service, uh, attendance accountability, checking with people, making sure that everyone understood results. If they had, you know, questions, we could give them better advice because we had more time to do that. And those are the small things, but they add up when you do that across every single client and they instantly feel that. And it's hard to do when you have a volume of trying to deal with double the amount of people at a fraction of that rate, um, you end up making a lot of broken promises or you know, you can't actually deliver that service at that level you want. So that's one of the, you know, the ways that I've really come to realize that I'm giving more value than what I'm charging. I think that's kind of how I look at it is you, know, you, you constantly wanna raise up your value as you raise up your price. And uh, when you do that, 
it gives you a heck of a confidence to believe in what you're doing is worth it. And the, the, the only last thing to do on the membership side is for them to see it, recognize it, and then take out their wallets and say, yep, I see it too. And that's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's just like a, a good distinction between, and even just story of how you went from like focusing on volume and more to, you know, realizing, Hey, that's actually not the way that I want to run my, my gym. That is a way to run a gym and that's a way to run a business. And, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. But for me, who really values lifestyle freedom and having a professional income and spending time with my family and on hobbies, that's not the model that I want. I want something that's going to give me income, lifestyle, freedom, impact. Um, and so, you know, choosing to do it a different route. And so I think that's kind of like the message is like, what do you want? Like, how do you want to run your gym? What is important to you? What is valuable to you? Because you might be at a point in your business where you are, you're single, you're very young, you have all the time in the world and you're just like grinding and hustling and want to, you really want to build a big gym with a lot of programs and a lot of people. And that just might be where you're at. And if you want to do that, go ahead. But if you're like, that's not where I'm at right now. I actually need time for other things. Um, how can I find something that you know, still gives me the income that I want, but doesn't take away all of my time and also doesn't take away my profit. Um, so yeah, just a good, good distinction of the two. And even just hearing your, the way that you navigated through all that. Yeah. And the, I, I I'll, I'll just kind of end on this where every time my personal life changed, it meant my business changed. And what I mean by that is when I was single, I valued my time differently. And then when I was in a relationship and then when I had a kid and then, you know, when you start increasing your lifestyle, your personal expenses grow. So it's a constant reshifting of how am I doing things and is the bandwidth there is uh, to do it all. So I, I think if, future business owners and people maybe stuck in these places, like you said, where maybe they're burned out. Maybe they're starting to recognize that they're really not passionate about certain programs that they are offering. Maybe someone brought it to them as an idea. Maybe someone started it and they're not even there anymore. You have the opportunity to take that step back and say, if I could do it all over, how would I do it? And I think that's the first step for people in that situation of wanting to make a change. And uh, that's who we love to work with. Those are the people that are ready for a new path and a new plan. And I think that's what Forge does best when putting the lifestyle uh, on the table, the income on the table and saying, this is the exact plan and steps you need to take to get there. It'll be uncomfortable, but when you're there, you'll have all the pieces that are gonna add up to happiness nice cool that's it we can just cut it and then <laughs> cool um if you're ready to start growing your membership base with long-term clients and building a gym that gives you income and lifestyle 
then I want to invite you to apply to my program where I'll show you how to pay yourself $5,000 a month, take home, and make $5,000 a month in gym profit without spending all of your time working by implementing our proven process, the Lifestyle Gym Model. Head to factoryforge.com forward slash apply to apply to work with us. Thank you.